0: It's episode 2 of Hidden Hosea. I'm Josh Snow, and I want to share what I've learned from the book of Hosea. Reading through Hosea's prophecy, I learned that even though Megan had been unfaithful, I was never alone. Three reasons I knew I was never alone. First, Hosea's existence in the Bible meant that one of the heroes of the Bible knew the agony of marital infidelity. Hosea's marriage to his unfaithful wife, Gomer, meant the prophet truly knew the anguish of betrayal. Second, God himself knows the pain of infidelity. God suffered the unfaithfulness of his bride, the nation of Israel. God knew and understood what it felt like to have someone he loved be untrue. Third, in the person of Jesus Christ, I knew that God is always with me, and I am never alone. So first, in the person of Hosea, God wants us to know that one of the heroes of the Bible knew the anguish of infidelity. Hosea, God's own prophet, was writing about marital infidelity from firsthand experience. Hosea is not only sympathetic to spousal betrayal, Hosea is deeply empathetic. He knew the very poignant and personal pain of having the person he loved most in the world absolutely break his heart. Enduring the hurt and humiliation of Gomer's many affairs were pure agony for the prophet. God's commission for Hosea to marry the untrue Gomer was at complete odds with the original design for marriage. Jesus said, Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made the male and female, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. That's Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. Hosea's marriage to Gomer was also a stark contrast to the marital status of his fellow prophets. God commanded Jeremiah to be single. Isaiah was married to a like-minded prophetess with whom he had two children. Though Ezekiel was contentedly married, God commanded him not to mourn the death of his beloved wife, and Ezekiel spent most of his life as a widower. Now why would God make Hosea's entire life and prophecy about his messed up marriage to the unfaithful Gomer? Through Hosea, God wanted Israel to witness in living flesh, blood, and tears a glimpse of the anguish he went through to love them. God wants us to know what he goes through to love people. Hosea's marriage to Gomer was to become a living parable of God's relationship to people. In his book, The Four Loves, C.S. Lewis describes agape love, the self-giving love of God, eros love, the love between husband and wife, storge love, the love between parent and child, and philos love, the love between friends or people who share common experiences. Marriage combines all four loves, and in Hosea we see all four loves. We see eros love through Hosea's marriage to Gomer. We see self-giving agape love in Hosea with his forgiveness of and attempted reconciliation with Gomer. We see Hosea's storge love in the prophet's family. During their marriage, Gomer gave birth to three children. Though Hosea was the father of the first child with Gomer, the prophet was unsure if the second child was even his and God named the third child Lo-Ami, which means not mine. In those days, Hosea chapter 9 tells us that unwanted children were slain as sacrifices to the pagan gods. Yet Hosea basically adopted the illegitimate children Gomer gave birth to during their marriage and raised them as his own and fourthly in Hosea we see the prophet's philos love. To me, the writing of the book of Hosea is an act of philos love because the prophet's words reach across the generations to tell me that Hosea, a mere man called by God, not only sympathized with the betrayed spouse, he truly empathized because he was a betrayed spouse. One of the biblical heroes knew very personally and very intimately what it was like to have his heart broken by his spouse, and through his prophecy, Hosea inaugurated the fellowship with those who experience marital infidelity. The second reason I knew I was never alone was that God himself knows the pain of unfaithfulness. God has suffered infidelity. After the Exodus on Mount Sinai, Moses mediated the covenant between God and his nation Israel. Isaiah wrote, For your Maker is your husband, the Lord Almighty is his name. The nation of Israel was to faithfully worship God first, foremost, and exclusively. King David united the nation of Israel under his rule. But David's affair with Bathsheba put his family and the nation under God's judgment. Personal unfaithfulness led to national tragedy. David and Bathsheba's first child died, and the nation of Israel went into chaos. But David repented, and God demonstrated his mercy and forgiveness when David and Bathsheba's second child, Solomon, was born. Solomon eventually became king and built God's temple in Jerusalem where the priests were to make sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. The first high priest was Aaron, the brother of Moses. His descendants from the tribe of Levi served as the high priests for the nation. However, following the rules of King David and Solomon, the nation split into two kingdoms, northern Israel and southern Judah. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, ruled the southern kingdom Judah from Jerusalem, where Solomon's temple was located. Meanwhile, King Jeroboam I ruled the northern kingdom of Israel, but he feared that he would lose the loyalty of the people if the Israelites had to go south to Solomon's temple to worship in Jerusalem. So Jeroboam I established a temple of worship at Bethel and commissioned false priests to make sacrifices on behalf of the people. The false gods. During Hosea's time, under the rule of King Jeroboam II, the people of the northern kingdom of Israel worshipped the Canaanite god Baal and the goddess Asherah to ensure the bounty of the land and the prosperity of their nation. Exodus, Deuteronomy, 2nd King, and Hosea describe how the Israelites incorporated the fertility rituals of the Canaanites. These religious festivals featured ceremonial copulation under the shady trees of the Mount Bethel temple altars. Male and female prostitutes served in those temples and were euphemistically called fertility priests and fertility priestesses. God was devastated by this gross betrayal of his covenant with Israel. Every time the Israelites worshipped on Mount Bethel, God was witnessing his bride in the act of unfaithfulness. God wept. Ephraim is joined to idols. Leave him alone. That's Hosea chapter 4, verse 17. God was broken at Israel's false worship of the only true God and their true worship of false gods. Nevertheless, although Israel continually worshipped false gods with corrupt ceremonies, God expressed compassion and longing for his bride. Jeremiah lamented, Yet my people have forgotten me, days without number. Through Hosea, God wept, How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? Isaiah mourned, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore he will rise up to show you compassion. All of this seems far removed from our own modern day and age. But in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus rips the veil off our hearts to reveal what we are hiding within. Jesus peers into our souls. He tells us that our thoughts and desires are tangible realities to God. Hate is murder. Coveting is theft. Lust is adultery. So through Hosea and Jesus, I learned that God knows the personal and poignant pain of betrayal far more than the human mind can conceive or comprehend. God not only knows the pain of infidelity, he closely identifies with those who have been betrayed. Thirdly, in the person of Jesus Christ, I know that God is always with me and I am never alone. During the reign of King Jeroboam II, the nation of Israel was flourishing politically and economically, but it was decaying spiritually, internally. It was rotting from the inside out and destined for destruction. Hosea's marriage and family were in shambles. What hope did Hosea have? All the Hebrew prophets were looking forward to their nation's deliverance by the coming of the Messiah, Hosea tells us, for the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. That's Hosea chapter three, verses four and five. Isaiah and his wife had two children, but Isaiah also prophesied the coming of the child Emmanuel. In the New Testament, Matthew writes, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's Matthew chapter one, verse 23. It is through Jesus I knew that Emmanuel, God was with me. When he was young, David was the shepherd. It was part of God's preparation for him to become the greatest king of Israel. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's John chapter 10 verse 11. On the cross, our great shepherd, Jesus Christ, laid down his life and paid the price for us so that we can know God the Father. David tells us, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Because Jesus is the Good Shepherd, I know that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am never alone. Emmanuel is my shepherd, and God is with us. I'm Josh Snow. Thank you for listening to Hidden Hosea, a conversation on God, infidelity, and restoration.